0: My, my view of the Akashic Records has changed. And so like I've had rooms develop over time. So my Akashic Records library is always expanding
1: mm-hmm. with
0: more and more rooms and more and more types of information. And I think that's true with my students too, is they may start out with um, a simple vision of a library and over time um, that, that vision might change and expand according to um, you know their soul. Evolution and, and what's appropriate for them.
2: Welcome to the HemiSync Podcast. I'm Garrett Stevens, Chairman and President of HemiSync. Our guest today will be Dr. Jennifer Lisa Best. She has a PhD in Indigenous Philosophies and Ethnic Studies from UC Berkeley. She's a psychic, a medium, medical intuitive, energy healer, and Akashic Records reader. She's been influenced by African-American hoodoo, Native American sweat lodge, Jamaican revivalism, and Trinidadian shango and spiritualism. She's also expert in Reiki, pranic healing, spiritual healing, and quantum healing hypnosis technique. She was born with the gifts of clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and mediumship. Dr. Vest is also the guest on episode 36 of this program. If you like, you can listen to that first, though it is not necessary. You'll be able to understand this conversation perfectly fine without the benefit of that show. So with that, please welcome Dr. Jennifer Lisa Best. So Jennifer Lisa, welcome back to the show. Uh, fresh off of your boot at the gas pump interview, you're big time now. Uh, thanks for still agreeing to come on this humble show. So for folks that don't know, um, what are the Akashic Records?
0: The Akashic Records is a energy library. It's a place that you can go to access information about every soul that's ever incarnated. And people typically go visit the Akashic Records to find out about their own incarnations, their past lives, their karma, their life purpose, any kind of soul contracts they have. Um, and so that's you know that's what it is. And you know, we call it a library because it's a compendium of knowledge, but it's not a physical place. It's an energetic place that we go to um not in our physical bodies but in an altered state.
2: Gotcha. Um, and so does it appear similarly to most people or like what are some of the hallmarks of the Akasha?
0: Well, I would say, you know, different people see it differently. And when I've taught the Akashic records to students, you know, I will lead them through my vision of what the Akashic records looks like. But over time, as people do more and more work with the Akashic records, their Akashic records, uh, you know, library will change. And also different people will will see it differently. And, you know, I, I generally describe it as a library. And so people will tend to envision it as a, a very majestic library. Mm. Um, but you can, you can see it different ways. You know, I, I was introduced to it um, through a meditation. And I had been visiting this giant library my whole life. And so that was my, you know, my vision of the Akashic Records. Uh, but over time, my, my view of the Akashic Records has changed. And so like I've had rooms develop over time. So my Akashic Records library is always expanding
1: mm-hmm. with
0: more and more rooms and more and more types of information. And I think that's true with my students too, is they may start out with um, a simple vision of a library. And over time um, that, that vision might change and expand according to um, you know, their soul evolution and and what's appropriate for them
2: mm-hmm. and like is it possible to say you know where it is like where it exists or
0: well some people say it's on the causal uh plane
2: mm-hmm.
1: and some
0: people say it's on the mental plane so if you have an understanding of the different planes of existence uh, beyond the physical plane you know we have these different realms right the astral realms and the the uh you know the uh You know mental and causal realms and if you keep going higher then you have higher realms which might be called spiritual or buddhic there's different names that different traditions give to them Mm. but basically the higher up you go from the physical plane um you know you you start to access you know more and more um information and information that's less um less colored by our physical world Mm -hmm. so it's like lower astral realms when we When we first come out of our body like when we're dreaming or going out of our body for different exercises we're going to the lower astral realm that realm is where we're going to see a lot of um you know nightmares uh fantasies desires and this is where a lot of people spend their time uh at night in -hmm. their dream world and that that world is going to be really really have a lot to do with our emotions and what we're kind of processing in our physical world so Whatever we're stressing about, or we're thinking about, we might process it on the lower astral realm. But as you move up um, in higher realms, then you have access to information and to uh, beings that is far farther removed from the Earth plane. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, the causal plane or the mental plane. Some people say mental, some people say causal. So, mental plane is a plane where you know, people talk about thoughts or things. Well, on the mental plane, thoughts are, are things, you know, instantly. Mm. And so on the mental plane, you can think something and then it immediately shows up. And um, on the causal plane is where you're going to have your really kind of higher level communications with spiritual teachers and spiritual beings that are kind of more evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking to, say, the dead, you might just be talking to them on the upper astral realm. So like your dead relatives, Mm -hmm. depending on their spiritual evolution, um, they might be on an astral realm where they're living in their kind of their notion of heaven or uh, for some people, their notion of of purgatory or something. Mm. And so you might be visiting them on a, on a lower astral realm. But if you have ancestors that are more highly evolved, then you might be visiting them on the mental or the, or the causal planes. So I, I see the Akashic Records as being on the causal plane. Hmm. So when I travel to them, I travel up to the causal plane. Gotcha. Um, I have read other people discuss them as being on the mental plane.
2: Mm-hmm. So. And so just to kind of suss that out as much as possible for folks. So I guess you know to differentiate it from, say, like a medium just kind of sitting with a client, um, going to the Akasha, you are you have access to kind of higher level guides or beings and like the information you're getting is less colored by the earthly influence. Is that sort of fair?
0: That's exactly right.
2: Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and so you've also got experience, you, you know, with Bob Monroe and with using Hemisync, like how would you differentiate it um, from say, just going into like focus 12 and asking a question?
0: Well, you know, Garrett, <laughs> I'm not good at remembering the focus. Oh, okay, all numbers. right. So,
2: so 12 is the state of expanded awareness.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was taking a workshop with you.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I kept going to different places and asking you, what focus is this? Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't you have
2: to retract your, your certificate.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> Bad student. Yeah. Well, the problem is I came to it with, you know, experience of a different kind. And then I'm uh-huh. trying to translate it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah so I did I did um maybe I could talk a little bit about Monroe um I came across Robert Monroe's books a long time ago when I was mm. I think in my early thirties and mm. which is about you know more than twenty years ago and I read all of his books and I was really fascinated because I had been going out of body my whole life but I wasn't doing it you know by choice I wasn't like consciously doing it Mm -hmm. i always either had spirit teachers coming and taking me out of my body or i was just spontaneously going into out-of-body journeys Mm -hmm. i was at a point in my life when i wanted to get more control of my gifts and so i started reading all of robert monroe's books about his out-of-body journeys and and i thought they were really helpful because um when you're just having experiences you don't really have control of what's happening but when you start to kind of reflect on your experiences and talk about them more and in this case read about somebody else who had reflected on their experiences it was very um helpful for me to make more sense of my experiences yeah um and then i always wanted to do um the gateway and fortunately i met you in torrance or long beach or somewhere in the south of los angeles and was able to do um a gateway workshop and so when i think about my experience in the gateway it was very similar to what i had done before um but the way i had done it before is i had worked with um i had worked with you know past i had worked with a uh sorry, a regressionist. What do you call that? A hypnotherapist. Past life
2: regression. Oh, okay. Uh, I I
0: do that work too, and I can't remember what it's called. Uh, (laughs) I I was working with, so I was a a natural channel. I was a medium. I was going out of body. And so I started to work with this healer medium who was also a past life uh, regressionist. And we started working together so that I could very, um, in a very kind of conscious, um, directed way, start to... um, talk to all of my guides Mm -hmm. and one of the ways I did that is I would travel out of body to different levels and I got to speak to different levels of teachers of mine at different um lenses you know the way that my guides explained to me was lenses Mm -hmm. so when I was then able to finally take the gateway program um it was very similar to that what I called lenses or layers or levels was what is called focus in the gateway but I don't exactly remember how it maps out in terms of the numbers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it probably doesn't exactly. And like, that's fine. Like they're really just kind of mile markers or placeholders that, you know, folks like to put on locales as we call them. So states of consciousness um, that have certain hallmarks to them. And so it's useful so that we can all kind of generally agree on what we're talking about you know, when we access these locales. That's really all it is.
0: Yeah, Um, I think focus, did you say focus 12?
2: 12, yeah. So it's like further beyond the physical. I think focus
0: 12 is the level where I always get to meet Bob. Mm. So when I go to focus 12, and I, you know, when I started listening to the the gateway uh, tapes that you had us listening to, Mm -hmm. you know, Bob directs us, right? um, Into these expanded states of awareness. And I think focus 12 is the one it's a, it's a, it's a place that I go to on my own, but whenever I do the gateway, I go there and and I meet Bob there. (laughs) And it's this, it's this um, focus 12 for me is this level where I'm looking out at this Vista and it's a reminder of um, kind of the bigger perspective of what's, what's going on uh, in my life or on the planet. And so, and so I can see from this vista kind of everything that's happening on the planet.
2: Right. So let me ask you about that. So you're someone who's naturally gone out of body from a young age, right? I think mostly yeah. as you sleep.
0: Um. Well, both uh-huh. but awake and asleep. Yeah. I used to okay. have also day visions.
2: Mm-hmm. And so when we enter these expanded states and we meet a guide or helper, like let's say it's Bob in this case like what's your take on, you know, the Bob that you're encountering versus, you know, like the physical earth life, Bob, like, is it Bob, Bob? Is it the residue of Bob? Like, how how do you think of that?
0: Well, you know, as souls, we're quite complex. Yeah. And who we incarnate as, as this personality is only one small part of our larger soul. Mm -hmm. And so um, like Jennifer Lisa is just a small, small part of who I am as a you know a higher self or as a, a over soul and so like i call my higher self or my my soul ulyssia
1: mm.
0: and then jennifer is just one little tiny piece of that and then i have all of these other incarnations as other people and they're all part of this same soul ulyssia
1: mm.
0: so when when i'm working as a medium you know sometimes people are like well how are you able to talk to this person when this person is deceased or this person is maybe reincarnated or you mm-hmm. know Aren't they busy somewhere else? How, you know, mm-hmm. and what I've learned over time is that you can access a certain kind of slice of somebody. Yeah. While other aspects of them are living other lives or doing work in other realms, and so I, when I think about Bob showing up on folk at Focus Twelve for me, um, I think of it as you know him, kind of making available a very small slice of himself for people like me. Yeah. Just because our work is similar. Yeah. And I think when souls meet who have similar work, like I think you and I are that way, um, we have kind of a a connection. And there's a way in which we're available to each other in other realms. Um, And and we might not be available to other people that way or other people might not be available to us that way. But there are certain souls that will make themselves available to other souls in different realms, because we have shared um, kind of soul paths. Yeah.
2: Cool. Thanks for that. That was lovely. Um, so that was a great tangent. Uh, now, getting back to the Akashic a, a little bit here, how do folks access the Akashic? Can like anybody do it, or are there rules, are there protocols? Oh, yeah, and
0: I didn't really fully answer that question that yeah. about how the Akashic is different from these other realms, like folks Well, no, Because, you know, it's a big question, Garrett. It is. <laughs> it's a very big question. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways to travel out of body and go to, there are so many different um, planes we can go to with different types of information. When I think of the Akashic records, I think of it as a particular place that you can kind of focus your, um, your out-of-body travel on to say, I'm going to go to this particular place with the intention of getting this particular type of information. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the way I think about it. And I do see it as on a certain level. So I do see these levels like, which is, you know, maybe similar to focus, but it's not the same. Um, I, I don't know if it's the same <laughs> actually. Cause I remember when I was taking the course with you, and to be fair to me, I didn't fit I didn't do the whole course, right? Because I was uh seeing clients during mm-hmm. the workshop. And so I, mm-hmm. I was able to access, I think, um, I think it was like a three-day workshop and I only did two of the days or something. Okay. So I didn't, I'm not a true graduate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But what I remember is that um, you know, the different focus levels that that Gateway teaches um, are, are very similar to the different levels that I go to for different types of information. And so I think of the Akashic Records that way. I go up 13, 13 levels. And for me, the Akashic Records is on the 13th floor, the 13th mm. level. Okay. I have different things that I access at different levels. And so when I'm speaking to say a dead person depending on where they are, uh, they might be just right here, right above the earth plane, which is very easy to just move up very slightly. They've basically come down to meet us and we're meeting them in the middle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, whereas if somebody is dead, but they, um, they're unable to travel down to speak to me, then I have to go up. And for those souls, I'm going up maybe a few levels uh, to go look at the kind of portway, port, not the port, what's the word, uh, portal, That goes into the other realm when people die. So, like the 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 tunnel of light,
1: Uh I can
0: go up to the tunnel of light, and I can look in, and I can actually see what souls are doing on the other side. So that's that's a certain level. Uh Um, And then if I want to talk to um, like my council, which is a group of spirit teachers and spirit siblings, I maybe can call them, that have been with me my whole life, um, then I have to go higher. And then if I want to go to the Akashic records, it's slightly above where my council is Mm -hmm. above the Akashic records. There um, are higher realms, you know, where I can um, get information from higher level beings. Uh, And so, so yeah, the Akashic records is kind of a, I would say like a, maybe like a focus point. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like, I guess I've always under, or I've been under the impression that like not just anyone can access it. Like you have to like ask permission, like you have to be deemed ready for it, et cetera. Um, Yeah.
0: There are some, there are some rules and some, and some gate, gatekeeping involved with the Akashic records.
2: Okay.
1: Um,
0: It's true of every level. So what I've shown is that each level that you want to travel to, there is a gatekeeper Mm -hmm. and, um, you can think of it as a spirit, um, and there's a, so there's like a spirit at each level that, that allows people to come in or doesn't allow people to come in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the Akashic records has a, a gatekeeper and um, you know, I always refer to them as a librarian,
1: uh-huh.
0: but people have different names for the, for the gatekeeper of the Akashic records. And basically they decide whether or not you can come in.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: they also decide what kinds of information you have access to. So kind of like when you go to the library and if you want to go to this reference section or you want to see some, you know, ancient texts or something, yeah. you have to get permission from the librarian. Yeah. Uh, and you have to have a certain status. Like if you're faculty, you have access to certain things. If you're a researcher, you have access to certain things. If you're a student, you have access to fewer things. Yeah. Like that with souls, with spirits. When you go to other realms, you have to have certain credentials. Uh, spiritual
1: mm-hmm.
0: credentials. And so, you know, when I offer Akashic Records meditations or Akashic Records classes, what I'm offering is for people to have a chance to go visit the Akashic records and everybody can visit their own Akashic records. Everyone Mm. has the potential, I should say, to be able Mm -hmm. to, not everybody will succeed, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but everybody has the potential to visit their own Akashic record. uh, Because that's always going to be edifying for a person to learn more about their purpose or why, you know, why they came or what their, maybe their soul, their, their larger soul path is about um however uh the determination of whether the person actually is going to get into the records is not made by me or the person it's made by the gatekeeper
1: yeah
0: and um and then also reading your own records is not the same as reading someone else's records right very few people have access to other people's records that's okay as um you have to have permission for that you have to have a certain level of involvement and Uh you have to have a certain character to do that work mm-hmm. because that could very easily be abused.
2: Right. Gotcha. And so for you, the gatekeeper is named Metatron, correct?
0: I use the name Metatron, or uh-huh. sometimes I use the name Librarian. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so Met-
2: yeah, no, sorry, go ahead.
0: Metatron is someone that I've had a, a kind of special connection with for many years. Uh, metatron who who comes to me as a a very male energy so Mm. i think he um is an archangel associated with the akashic records associated with um with learning and um he he actually told me he was associated with medicine as well which made sense for me as a healer Mm. associated with uh, education with children and i started working with metatron many years ago and so, for me, when I first started going to the records uh, for myself, I was always meeting up with Metatron and Metatron, mm-hmm. the kind of the um, the gatekeeper of the records that allowed me to access some really high level information about my soul. Gotcha. When I started leading Akashic Records meditations, I started out um, referencing Metatron, uh, but I I don't always do that anymore because everybody doesn't know who metatron is or Mm -hmm. you necessarily believe in angels or right and also he's not a well-known angel like yeah he's not a part of say you know christian he's not in the bible so some christians are like ah that's not a christian right You
1: yeah to Google him
0: yeah he's familiar to to muslims and to um you know judaic scholars cool some of the older texts
1: yeah so i'm
0: familiar with him from islam or from uh, Judaism. Mm-hmm. I he just showed up and then I had to look him up. And that's been <laughs> generally with angels, is I didn't grow up with angels, but angels have shown up in my life over the yeah. 20 years. And then I have to go look them up and say, who right. is the person that's shown up in my house? You know. Ah, yeah,
2: cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, how many think is typically shorn of that stuff? So in this exercise, we simply refer to um the gatekeeper as the keeper of the records. Um, and so, you know, again, thanks for making that accommodation for us, but, uh, yeah, I think that's great background for people to kind of have, it's like the behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and it's okay. I mean, the thing is when you work with higher realms, you get, you get clear over time that the names that we humans have for things are not that important.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Focus. Um, like for me, for many years, having the image of Metatron in the records, Helped me to access some high-level information, uh-huh. and so that was important for me. And that's that's often the case with the way that our spirit teachers show up to us.
1: Yeah.
2: They
0: show up to us according to our own involvement and according to what we're available and ready for.
2: Cool. And in terms of determining like what you can access, um, what role does the um, does the aura play, or you know your own kind of evolution? Like how is that? How does it all fit together?
0: Well, you know, I just <clears throat> I just recently um, created a course called All About Auras that's on my website. People can oh, take check it though. out, folks. It's a short course. What's and your I, website
2: again? It's
0: drbestmedicalintuitive.com. Okay. Um and. I just, I recently created that course because I've been teaching, I've been teaching a lot of different things for many years. I teach healing, I teach Akashic Records, I teach mediumship, I teach medical intuition, I teach psychic development. And one of the things that I always end up having to teach is about the aura. And so learning about the aura is kind of fundamental to so many other things like developing your healing gifts, developing as a medical intuitive, developing as a psychic. And so I um, decided, let me just create a short course so people can get that basic foundational understanding of the aura. And, you know, the aura is the energy body that's around us. It's really a series of energy bodies of subtle bodies. And as a psychic, if you can tune into the, the energy bodies around people, you can get information about mm-hmm. them, that you, you know, help them with. And as a healer, you can use the aura to, uh, you know, help heal people and to also diagnose or figure out what's wrong with people. Um, and now when we're traveling out of body, we're we doing any kind of expanded state awareness um one way to think about it is that we are traveling out of our physical body and we are traveling through our the different layers of our aura to different um levels so mm. there's this correlation between the layers of the of the energy body or the aura and then the layers of existence mm. so you know in our body we have a physical body and then we have an etheric uh, uh body We have an emotional body. And then there's really a correspondence between that, you know, that state, the etheric body, and you know, the etheric realm or the emotional body and the astral realm, the Mm -hmm. mental body around our in our own aura correlates to the mental plane. Mm -hmm. And so uh we we really are like a little microcosm of the universe, and the aura is a representation of that, the different layers of the aura. It's like our little world um, and then the larger world or nature of existence has the same layers. Mm -hmm. So understanding our own aura, our own energy bodies helps us to understand um, existence as well. Yeah. And also understanding our energy bodies helps us to kind of uh, visualize ourselves leaving our bodies and traveling into different realms, if we kind of think of it in terms of of moving true space and time is that the right word um there is no space and time beyond
2: <laughs> they, like, is it fair to think of it as like differences in vibrational frequency so like as you move from like the physical to like more subtle and like so both in... different
0: frequencies yeah. vibrations um both in our aura and mm-hmm. also in existence and so yep. when we travel out of body uh when we travel to the akashic records when we go into expanded states, we're often, you know, leaving our physical body behind. Then we're traveling in the different energy bodies,
1: depending
0: mm-hmm. okay. on. So if we're going to the astral realm, we're just going to kind of travel with our astral body,
1: mm.
0: which is one layer of our aura. And if we're going higher, if we want to go to the mental plane, then we're going to leave that astral energy body behind. We're going to travel with our uh, mental body. Mm. And so you know who writes who. Um, I'm trying to think. There's so many. I, I like the theosophist descriptions of of these planes and auras. I find they're very helpful. This is from the, you know, the um, 1800s.
2: Yeah, Adam Blavatsky and that crew. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Steiner and Steiner,
2: um, yeah.
0: And Blavatsky and Alice Bailey,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, Ledbetter. Charles Ledbetter does yeah. a really good job of explaining the different planes of existence and the energy bodies. Pons Jolly. If you look at the, um, you know, the Vedic text, the yoga text, um, yeah. the very early Indian text, which is where the theosophists got their information. It all came from mm-hmm. India. Um, and then the theosophists kind of reinterpreted it for a Western audience and then they yeah. brought it to the US. Um, so their, their descriptions I find are really helpful. But then you also have people like, you know, Robert Bruce and Robert Monroe, mm-hmm. who do a good job too, of explaining some of these different layers Um, of existence and and how they relate to our auric bodies
2: do you think you generally have to develop the lower bodies before you can develop the finer bodies or can it go in reverse order like how how do you think of that or like what have you observed in that regard
0: when you say lower are you talking about the physical body yeah like
2: closer to the physical or like yeah like the etheric then the astral then the mental or you know whatever labels you attach to them like
0: yeah so um, a lot of people, a lot of people currently incarnated don't actually have access to those higher bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, yogis do spiritual yeah. teachers do people who have devoted many lifetimes to, um, developing spiritually are mm-hmm. going to have access to the higher levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then most people are only going to have access to the, the lower, um, levels the the, the other divide you know the vibrations that are yeah. Closer to yeah so um when you say develop it first i'm trying to make sense of that
2: and maybe it doesn't make any sense um but like you wouldn't find someone that's got like a highly developed like mental body for instance that has issues with like their etheric body or
0: no actually you would because you so would for okay example somebody who's got who's got physical problems like Mm -hmm. ailments and injuries and disabilities is going to have some issues with their etheric body Mm -hmm. because the etheric is very closely tied to the physical body Mm -hmm. so you can have physical problems with your body and still be somebody who's capable of of traveling to much higher realms
2: Mm -hmm. makes sense actually
0: you know in the west there's probably less understanding of of this than in other cultures but you know in indigenous cultures throughout the world a lot of medicine people and healers and spiritual teachers have infirmities or disabilities or have gone through very serious illnesses Uh there's an understanding that that is sometimes the case whereas in the west we're so kind of enamored with our physical bodies that um we tend to think a person who is is smart or highly evolved or um intelligent should also have kind of perfect health and um Mm. be very fit and and we're certain kind of perfection in the physical body or and that would correlate to the etheric body Mm. so um so that so so i don't think that's the case
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i think that uh you can have somebody with a very uh, who's very highly developed, whose physical body and maybe their etheric body, which is the one closest to the physical, does have some some hmm. issues.
2: Interesting. Um, so let's talk a bit about spiritual safety. So, you know, I've never personally encountered anything in all my years of exploring expanded states of consciousness um, where I felt that I legitimately needed to be scared um, you know, other than just encountering like my own projections or what turned out to be aspects of myself. Um, and there are many other explorers whom I respect that kind of share this perspective. But at the same time, there are still probably a similar number of others um, whom I also respect that do have tales of malevolence or, um, you know, damaged auras or um, attempts to access your body, et cetera. Um, so, and, you know, there are indeed shamanic practices that are specific to this, right? Um, so there's there seems to be something around that for sure. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, first first of all, you're special. Well, <laughs> That's part of the answer to that question, why you haven't had those experiences. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Robert Monroe had those experiences. You know, in his book, he talked a lot about um having negative experiences when he traveled especially through the astral realm
1: yeah
0: i found that so helpful because i think when you are developing and you have negative experiences it makes you kind of doubt yourself and doubt yeah yourself and, and wonder you know why why am i having these negative experiences yeah the way that robert monroe explained it was that we are kind of fear-based people and, and right. correct me if i'm wrong i read him so long ago i could be remembering him incorrectly but you know, that we're kind of as humans we have some fears and so when we travel through um the lower realms the astral realm lower astral we tend to attract um some negative you know experiences because of our fears and i, I do think that's that's the case um i certainly had a lot of scary experiences as a child mm-hmm. and When I look back on it, I think it had to do with um, the fact that I was, I had some, a difficult childhood, you know, I was going through. And so I think I had a lot of fear and I had a lot of emotional upset. And -hmm. when you emotional upset, that's going to color your experiences. Right. A lot of body when you go to expanded states, because that kind of um, emotional turmoil is going to affect, um, you know, what you attract uh, on the lower Mm -hmm. aspect. So you're going to have, you know, nightmares and and scary experiences. Right. Uh, What, when, what, when Rose said though, was that I don't think he talked about emotions, he just talked about, uh, this, this fear and I did get a similar message from my guides at a certain point about how humans, we have so much fear and, um. There's something, they actually told me that there's something kind of like in our DNA or in our mm-hmm. programmed into us that makes us very attached to the physical plane. Right. And also fearful of difference. Right. That there's something about us that has these two elements. And these are things we have to overcome when we want to journey to other realms and visit with beings from other places. We have to overcome these two kind of um, human impulses. One. To right afraid of difference and one to be afraid of leaving the physical body and so I think Monroe talked about how we have this natural fear about leaving our physical body because of course we want to stay alive and that's part of our survival is we have to have this I want to stay alive yeah so when people leave their bodies and they're they're tethered by this cord there's always this kind of nervousness about I don't want to lose my physical body and lose my life because my life is my access to the human plane which is this beautiful experience of of growth. so that fear is something that has to be overcome
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I think that that can attract different experiences um
2: yeah, I mean I have I I've definitely experienced fear um but you know it was it, it it had to do with myself I mean it had to do with my own beliefs or fears that like I needed to confront um and once I confronted them, you know, it, the fear wasn't, it sort of lost its grip. Like it dissolved, it thinned out. I, I could move through it. And, you know, I think Bob's stories were similar. Um, you know, he certainly had fears too. I mean, he was exploring kind of like, it was really brand new terrain at a time where it was not at all fashionable to be doing this type of thing. Um, and so, but like, I'm talking about like, you know, actual damage, like, you know, spiritual damage, um, however you think of that. Um
0: well, yeah, um you know, that is that is something I've seen. Uh, with yeah. clients. I have seen people with damaged auras. I've seen people with, you know, rips in their aura. I've seen people mm. with fear attachments. I've seen people with um you know, charms or what you might call curses kind of yeah. forms in their aura. And there's a lot of different reasons for these things, but they um, they are often you know tied to fear they're tied to our physical experience our relationships on the earth plane um, um I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a, a way to summarize it all it's a yeah of, it's a lot of different things that are involved um, so for ex- I'll just give an example then since we can't cover it all mm-hmm. um, Thought forms. This is a really, I think, an exact easy example to talk about. Um, yeah. I see thought forms in people's aura, and a thought form is something that can be put there by yourself or by others. And so, a thought form is um, a creation that's created out of thought that starts to have some actual physical um, reality to it. And so, we think a thought over and over again, and, and oftentimes people have this these negative thoughts in their mind, like "I'm not good enough," "I'm not good enough," "I'm not good enough," right? Someone thinks that enough, it can turn into an actual thought form, which is like a you know, kind of energetic blob.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and then when you meet that person, if you're a, a clairvoyant, you might actually be able to see a thought form sitting in their aura, like a like a little black gray cloud. Mm-hmm. And it's that thought form. And if you can get them to uh, kind of deprogram themselves and stop thinking that thought over and over again that thought form will go away Mm -hmm. now thought forms can also be in spaces so the reason that people like to go to churches and temples and mosques is because so many people have been praying in those spaces for so many years that they're filled with these these very beautiful thought forms
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know like of love and 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 grace and respect and um, humility and so when you enter into certain spaces, you may find yourself feeling really good or feeling very peaceful or feeling your mind kind of shift into a different space, you may feel yourself elevate, you may feel that it's easier to meditate in certain spaces. And that's because um, those thought forms are in that space. And you can think of thought forms as um, you know, as vibrations too. You know it's like affecting the vibration of a space when certain prayers or affirmations have been repeated over and over again well a thought form is like a prayer but it's like a negative prayer you
1: know
0: mm. a prayer that's not for your but for your for your good
1: yeah
0: <laughs> like no. i'm never i'm never gonna make it i'm never gonna make it i'm never gonna make it. Wasn't there a little cartoon character like that we'll never make it right right
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: and 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 that can become a thought form in a person's aura right i'm a thought form in a space so you can think of that as something that's you know something that's um negative but i think you're also you're asking more generally about like when you travel to other realms can you get harmed can your aura get damaged when you go into other realms
1: right yeah
2: So, I mean, just like, you know, on, on a physical level, like, I mean, clearly we can be harmed, like on an emotional level. Yeah. I mean, we can be harmed. People can say mean things and like, it hurts. It probably leaves some sort of, you know, psychic or energetic wounding as well. Um, So, I mean, it would make sense that you could be harmed somehow, um, you know, spiritually on like higher um, vibratory levels, I guess. Um, But I, I just haven't, encountered it It just doesn't mean i mean doesn't mean it doesn't happen i just um trying to get a better understanding of what it might look like or you know how it might happen
0: yeah i think it does have a lot to do with a person's uh, spiritual evolution it also has to do what's going on in their life what fears they have what emotional um Mm -hmm. they haven't done Um, that's why i often tell people that if you're going to do psychic work or healing work you have to always be doing emotional work Mm mm-hmm to do like one of the things that I teach in my classes is doing a daily emotional inventory where before you sit down with a client uh you always spend some time with yourself uh doing an inventory of your emotional states over the last 24 hours and then you determine whether or not you're really ready to do any type of healing work yeah because if you're upset about something or you're going through a lot it's not appropriate to be doing any type of psychic or healing work because that's going to interfere with your ability to help somebody. And it's also going to interfere if you want to go to the Akashic records or do any kind of out-of-body travel, you don't want to do that either when you're dealing with some strong emotions. Yeah. So, um, because that is, what's going to happen. You're going to have some strong emotions and then you're going to have some, some scary experiences based on basically your emotional state.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so I think I, I think i i might have told you uh the scary story i had about experimenting with um monroe's techniques when i was young okay so i when i read all his books i I hadn't taken any gateway workshops yet Uh but his um i read his books uh what is it journeys out of body what are the three? There's three books, right? Uh,
2: so there's uh, Journeys Out of the Body, uh, Far Journeys, and Ultimate Journey.
0: Yeah, so I read those three. Yeah. And I was living in Seattle at the time. And I started to do, um, on my own, um, out-of-body travel while being awake.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in the past, a lot of my out-of-body travel had happened at night. Um <clears throat> And I said, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to follow, what, you know, what Monroe talked about in his book, and I'm going to do it while I'm awake. Yeah. And so I started doing that. I would lay down on my couch, and I had this wonderful view of the Space Needle out my window in mm-hmm. Seattle. And um, and I would lay down and do, and you know, kind of go into an altered state and leave my body, and then come back. And I would be fully conscious of it. Mm-hmm. I was doing this, and I had a really scary experience. And now, keep in mind that Monroe, in his books, he talks a lot about scary experiences. Yeah. And I, I went back and reread them later. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, he really talked a lot about this. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, he always said that fear was the great limiting factor. Yeah, like, you actually kind of like explore the fear and like get familiar with it. It turns out to like not be what you thought it was. It was just a, you know, a construct.
0: So I did have this scary experience where I was in my apartment and I was, I was, um, I was laying on the couch looking at the space needle and um and someone came up from behind me and i thought it was my girlfriend who was at mm-hmm. the time living in oakland so she wasn't mm-hmm. actually in seattle and i thought it was her and and this person kind of came up behind me and hugged me and i was like what are you doing here you know <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when i tried to turn around to look at her um she went running away and the way my apartment was was um set up you could you could run in a circle in my apartment the way the rooms were connected and um one of the things i liked about it
2: that's cool it's a good track
0: yeah yeah so it was like you'd go from the living room to the hallway to the kitchen to the office back to the living room it was nice and um and so i then jumped out of my body and started chasing her in in my you know um you know my spirit body and and as I did and started looking at her, she was kind of glitching huh. like a bad film. Mm-hmm. I could see that this was a person or I shouldn't say, a per- I don't know, a being mm-hmm. that was trying to look like my girlfriend, but wasn't able to maintain the image. And so it was like, it kept glitching, kind of blurring, like it looked like her and then it didn't look like her. And then when I, and and then when I looked down the scary, this is the scary part. I mean, that was kind of scary, too, that this person was, this this was not really my girlfriend, but was trying to pretend to look like her. Yeah. And when I looked down, this person had those, like, backwards legs, like, is mm. uh, it like a deer? Or
1: yeah, deer, like right.
0: Deer, deer legs. Yeah. The, the knees are, like, going the wrong direction. Yeah. And and that freaked me out because uh-huh. it was like, oh, my God, it's a shapeshifter Uh uh-huh like part human part animal it wasn't human at all it was basically a being that was trying to pretend to be um my girlfriend to get my attention and I chased it all the way around my apartment yeah and eventually um I think it left but it freaked me out so much that I stopped doing (laughs) the out-of-body exercises yeah for quite a while because I was like I didn't sign up for this. I, I don't want to hang out with shapeshifters that are, I don't know what they are.
2: So were you actually listening to Hemisync as this was happening?
0: No, I didn't even know about Hemisync. Oh, okay.
2: you had technique. just read
0: Monroe's books okay. and decided I'm going to start doing this. Yeah, so I interesting. followed what he wrote about. I just said I am yeah. going to do what he said. Yeah. And I started to um you know have these different out-of-body experiences. Uh-huh. And so then I came back into my body after I chased the shapeshifter And, um, and then I was looking at the space needle again. And at that point I was like, okay, I don't think I want to do this. Yeah. (laughs) So, but when I look back on that time in my life, it was a very stressful time in my life. I had Mm -hmm. just got my first job as a professor. Um, I was very disappointed. Um, I had worked so hard my whole life to get all these degrees and to, um, uh, you know, accomplish so much and I had finally landed this, you know, this tenure track job, and you know it's a very competitive process. And so sure. I had this feeling when I finished going through everything I went through that I had arrived, that I had, that I'd proven myself. I had done everything that I was supposed to do to establish my credentials and my um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: ability. And then I encountered just an incredible amount of racism, mm. my colleagues and my students, and I was so um, heartbroken by that. And so I was going through that uh, and I was also having um, really serious health issues. I was, I'd had a heart attack
1: Mm -hmm. that
0: same year. And so I was going through a lot. So it kind of makes sense. When I look back on it, that I would be having scary experiences because I was emotionally very distraught Mm -hmm. and that's just not an appropriate time to be doing this work. And I just Mm -hmm. didn't know that back then. Right. Um, And so, when you when you're able to do this type of work, after having done the emotional work, like I did a lot of therapy, I've, you know, I've, I've worked on myself uh, for decades. um, And and I'm now able to be in tune with what my emotional state is at all times. um, And now I know better than to try to like do out of body travels while I'm in a state of emotional upset, you know, it's going to attract negative experiences, because, you know, yeah, we're, your vibration can you hear that there's a really loud gardener outside
2: <laughs> um maybe just a little bit but not too bad
0: i can close i can close that. Oh, there i heard a little bit yeah um your the vibration that you're operating at you know affects the vibration that you are able to travel into.
2: oh yeah so, like attracts light
0: yeah so it kind of made sense. Also, I found out later that that particular apartment had a portal in it. And so I had a lot of issues in that apartment with um, mischievous beings coming into mm. that place. And I kept doing like house cleansings. My girlfriend, who was also psychic, came and did some work. We were playing Gregorian chants. We, you know, we we burned herbs. We did everything. Mm-hmm. And I was a house cleaner. Like I had, all of my friends would call me when they wanted their house spiritually cleansed. So I knew how to do that, and I could not do it in my own house in Seattle. And it was just after several months, my girlfriend said, you have to move. Mm. We can't fix this (laughs) beyond us. And so I moved to a different apartment in the same building, and your problem was gone. (laughs) And so sometimes the problem isn't you. Sometimes it's the location. Um, And that's when I, I didn't really understand it at the time, but later my guides... Explained it to me. I asked several years later, why did I have so many issues in that apartment? Because I also was dealing with a lot of dead people in that apartment. And there's this woman who had died in that apartment very tragically, a very traumatic death. Mm-hmm. And she came to me and it was one of the most intense psychic experiences of my life up until that point because I I experienced I communicated with her and experienced her death using every possible sense every Claire mm. sense. And so mm. she came to me. I saw her. She was this waitress from the 1940s. They had a little waitress outfit on. She was able to show me where she worked, the restaurant. Mm. Um I was able to smell um the smell of burning. They had she had been um I mean I shouldn't say this. She had been the victim of SA and then and then her body had been burned. It was a uh. mock it was very, very traumatic. And I was able to smell it. Um, yes. I was able to feel everything. I was like able to feel her experience. Um, she was speaking to me. I was able to hear all of these words. She gave me some, all these clues about who did it. Yeah. Um, she showed me a picture of the guy that did it. I got. To, I even tasted. He used to sit in the restaurant and eat sugar packets and I could Oops. taste the sugar. So it was- this
2: really a psychopath.
0: Incredible multi-sensory vision that I had of her in that apartment where I experienced- her life and death um, using every sense available to me. And it was extremely intense and very powerful. And she lived at that apartment. And so that was also part of it was her death was so traumatic and it was never solved.
2: She couldn't leave it.
0: Yeah. And she could, she, so she was still there.
2: And so finally she had a resident that could like see her and understand her and communicate her with her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah.
0: So I became obsessed for a while with trying to solve her murder. Yeah. And I went, I used to hang out at the Theosophy library in Seattle and that's kind of where the psychics hung out in yeah. Seattle and we'd hang out and talk about things. And I remember I used to talk to uh, Greg, who was like the the one of the people that worked at the, at the bookstore. And it was a library and a bookstore, which was nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they had talks and stuff. And I remember talking to him at one point. Was it him I was talking to? And and or maybe it was another psychic. And I was explaining, hey, you know, I have this situation. And I was and I was asking everybody, do you know a psychic detective? I've got to get someone to solve this case. So I was like finding lists. There was a list of psych a psychic directory. And I was writing letters to all these psychic detectives explaining all the details of this yeah. case saying, please help this woman. Yeah. And I didn't think I could at that point in my life, I didn't think I was developed enough to to solve her case or I yeah. just had the confidence, I guess, in myself. And and every time I sent a letter to the psychic detective, it would come back, you know, addressy and, you know, <laughs> it just, nobody was available. Yeah. <laughs> and so people were like, well, maybe you should solve the case. But I was trying to do research, but this was like before Google, this was before. Yeah lot of information online, you had to go to libraries and stuff. And so finally, this, this guy says to me, you know, Jennifer, did you say that she was her clothing indicated that this was from the 1940s? And I said, Yeah, and she's and he said, You don't need to solve this case. Her family is all she's, they're probably all deceased at this point. Yeah, nobody is trying to figure out what happened. And Um, you don't need to solve this case, and I finally was able to give it up. Um, but of course, a part of me, you know, has always wanted to solve that case. Like,
1: yeah,
0: you're going know, justice for her. Right. But they were like, that person who did it is dead. Yeah. The mom that was involved in her death, they're all dead. Like, yeah. there's nobody you're going to find, and they're not going to prosecute anybody. You know, it's. It's an old, old case.
2: Right. No, I mean, it's it's really just about you at this point. Like, you know, if you feel like you have closure with it, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so spaces can have energy like that in them, which will also affect the types of experiences you have in that
2: space. Mm-hmm. So that's like kind of like psychic damage to a space. You know,
0: Yeah, energetic yeah.
2: damage to a space.
0: Well, yeah, you can think of it as damage or...
1: um.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't think I know enough about, you know, I've had, I I actually write about, um, you know, portals in my book.
2: The ethical psychic. Yeah.
0: Um, I do have a whole section on portals and possession and soul. Mm -hmm. So I've had some experience with, with portals, but I, I guess I would say, I don't know. Um, I, I kind of experienced, have experienced these portals as damage to a space. Mm-hmm. I would, I want to also say that I don't know. Um. What What is the purpose of those?
2: So, um, what's uh, coming up for you? Where can people find you?
0: Okay. Well, you can. Um. You can go to my website, which is drvestmedicalintuitive.com. It's just drvestmedicalintuitive.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have uh, social media. Spirit Teacher on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok uh, as the Ethical Psychic. And so I, I post updates there. Um, I just finished teaching a couple of classes on indigenous medical intuition for the Shift Network. And those are still available as on-demand classes. If you go through my website, you can access those. And then I have a medical intuition course on my on my site, uh, which is pretty comprehensive overview. Um, of, you know, how to how to work as a medical intuitive. And then I just uploaded a new force called all about auras. Uh, and I'm working on some other courses as well. Uh, so there's that I also just launched a, a merch store on my website. So I've got some, you know, sacred space supplies, you know, like crystal grids and crystals and things that you can use to help set up your space. And, uh, and then some, you know, some some, you know, swag <laughs> yeah. and I've been, I'm doing um, I'm working on um, another book right now. My second book is uh, coming out in January and it's called Sovereign Wisdom and it's a book on Native American philosophy published by Peter Lang Publishers and I'm currently working on my third book, which is a book about uh, medical mysticism. Oh, wow. So that's what I'm I'm working on now. So I'm working on the book. I'm developing some new courses, and I'm also working on a retreat. So you can also find out about that on my website. I'm going to be having an in-person retreat. Um, right now, just working on the particulars. It's, I'm probably going to be in California, um, you know, within the next year.
2: Cool. Sounds like there's ample material there for future podcasts as well.
0: Yes, always.
2: All right. <laughs> Uh, Well, uh, Jennifer, Lisa, thanks so much. It was a pleasure as always. Um, Folks, if you have questions or comments, feel free to leave them. Depending on the platform, we'll try to get back to you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye for now.